We're going to read in the Old Testament today. Uh, it helps to give uh, a wee bit of balance in the, the things that we we think about. We tend to be New Testament Christians. We're going to read <coughs> right. It's um, a sad passage in a lot of ways, but it's a wonderful passage in others. And, uh, and we're going to read in Second Kings chapter 7. If you've got your Bible with you, look at Second Kings chapter 7. Uh, and we'll see what we're going to say about it. Got a very good text. You might not get a good sermon, but you're smashing text today. Um, <laughs> Second Kings 7 verse 1. Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a seah of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer in whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha but you will not eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say, We'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, (laughs) then we die. At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. Then they returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, this is the text for today, okay? Verse 9, we're not doing right This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Aramean camp and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so they've left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out and then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of his officers answered, Make some men take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. 
So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So... Remember what was said at the start of the chapter? Elisha's prophecy. So, a seah of flour sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know whether you watch films. I watch films sometimes. Jean's not keen on films, but I like to watch films. I saw two recently. Um, uh, one was 12 Years a Slave, um, some of you may have seen it, very sad film. Um, another one was called uh, The Railway Man, um, both films, very good films. And so I watched films from time to time, this was a film I once watched, it was called Jacob the Liar. It starred this man here, his name Robin Williams, um, and... Uh, the story there is about the Warsaw Ghetto. During the Second World War, the Nazis virtually imprisoned a whole lot of people in Warsaw, and the Jews were all herded together in what was called the Ghetto. And there was a curfew on every night. And one day this man, Jacob, uh, Achaim is his name, Jacob Achaim, that actually means Jacob, the living one. Jacob Achaim missed the curfew. He stayed out beyond the time of the curfew and he had to report to the commandant. And he went to the commandant's office, there was a radio up there, and he heard a radio announcement. The Russians are only 300 kilometres away. And he went away back and told his big pal. <laughs> he said, guess what? He said, the Russians are only 300 kilometres away. And he said, how do you know that? He says, well, I heard it on the radio. Well, by the next morning, everybody in the ghetto knew that Jacob had a radio. So they thought. And they were so cheered up at the thought of a foreign invader coming and setting them free that Jacob thought, I've got a good idea here. I'll keep giving them news releases to cheer them up. And there was, there was, a lot of them had been killed in, in what had happened and punished sadly. And some people had actually committed suicide. So Jacob set out a news report. The Americans are 200 kilometers away. And one day, the, the doctor who went among the Jews and tried to help them out, he came to see Jacob. And here's what he said. Your medicine is better than my medicine. He said, your medicine brings hope to people who have no hope. And I think... I thought when I saw that film, that's a wonderful thing about the gospel, isn't it, as well? We've got the message. The gospel is the best medicine. It says in the Old Testament, there's a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Um, and uh, that God, there's a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. And in the world in which we live, the gospel's the best medicine. 
Yeah, the gospel's the best medicine. So, um, what I'm going to do today is hope to make a link not only with the Warsaw Ghetto, but also with the siege of Samaria, which is that the story that we read about. Because they were under attack, they were surrounded by the Arameans. A, a city used to get surrounded, and they had special techniques we'll talk about to break down the morale and to break down the the, the fortresses of the folk who were being besieged. So I'm going to draw a link between the Warsaw Ghetto, the siege of Samaria and Scotland today and all. So there are links and that's the text. Let's repeat it. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. Very good. The sin of silence. Um, the four men with leprosy said that what you've just read out um, they said it's not good for us to be doing this they said in, in the text we're not doing right the sin of silence and here were the, the silent lepers everybody in the city thought they were doomed but they knew the Arameans God had made the Arameans run away <laughs> and they didn't know that good news and they said nothing sometimes uh, we get muzzled Christians as well as silent lepers in this story I don't know about you but sometimes people pray Lord give me opportunities to witness this week or this day or you know we, we say that but here's what I found in my experience it's not lack of opportunities is a problem it's lack of courage in me to take the opportunities they're just a saviour for sinners like you and me. That's our good news. Sometimes we keep quiet, don't we? We're muzzled Christians. Ancient Israel and modern Scotland were in a desperate situation. These lepers were in a desperate situation at the gate of Samaria. Really bad. And we have a desperate situation today. They were under siege, and those who conducted siege warfare, they had a specific plan for how to reduce the city they were under, they were besieging, so that they would surrender. They surrounded the target so there was no hope of breaking through the ranks outside the city. They destroyed the defences. They would uh, have battering rams and various other devices to knock the walls down. And they tricked the defenders. This is a picture of the Trojan horse. You know the story of how they, got, they, they, they tricked the defenders. They got this big horse and left it outside the gate of Troy. And the folk in Troy were so... What's that big wooden horse out there? See, what we're going to do, right? So they pulled it into the city, and what they didn't know was it was hollow and it was full of soldiers, and they had inadvertently let the enemy into the city, and they'd been tricked. And sometimes that's what goes on today. Today's scene. What a mess we're in in Scotland today. No knowledge of God or the Bible, no moral values, superstition. Scared to go out if you get a bad horoscope. All sorts of stuff like this. False ideas. When somebody dies, he's up in the clouds playing the harp and he's looking down on us and all that stuff. You know, there's a whole lot of superstition, particularly about death, I found. Here's, here's what Amos says in his prophecy. Chapter 8, verse 11. Days are coming when I will send a famine. Not 
Oh, for food or a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. That's the desperate situation we have in our country. And I was talking to a missionary from Brazil this week. He says they're sending Brazilian missionaries over to Britain. Isn't that... It's wonderful in a way, but it's sad in another way. Because our country... Is, was a Bible loving country at one time our danger an undermined product and if you were sending a young people to, a young person to college now where would you send them because most of the colleges are undermining the product they're saying this it doesn't it isn't the word of God it, it contains the word of God here and there and up and down where I see it is and all that kind of thing and they're like salesmen in a company training, being trained by folk who say don't really believe in the products the products you know it's, uh, it's a poor product but you've got to sell it as if it's a good product it's a very difficult task in our state we're, in a f- we're among a famine stricken people for the word of the Lord and our great need is a Bible based revival of the Holy Spirit coming down and visiting our nation again in revival. I hope we're all praying for that. We're a despised situation as well as a desperate situation. <clears throat> These were lepers. The four men at the gate of Samaria were lepers. And leprosy is a terrible disease. It was. And um, we've got to be careful what we say because um, the biblical term for leprosy covered various skin diseases as well as actual leprosy or what is now called Hansen's disease it was a discoloration of the fabric of the walls of the skin the peripheral nerves and the upper respiratory tract were affected especially when you've got open fires people will burn themselves and won't feel anything they've got leprosy deformed fingers and deformed faces like this poor lady and lepers were defiled, they were reckoned unclean, and they had to, to live away from the rest, they were marginalised, they had to live in their own leprosy camp at the outskirts of a city near the gate, and they were abused, they were made to walk about ringing a bell, in New Testament terms, akathartos, akathartos, unclean, unclean. The leper cried. And so these these folk, these four leprous men were in a despised situation. And Christians today are in a despised situation. Ted, let's be perfectly clear about it. We're regarded as old. Well, most of us here, I would think, are not as old as some congregations, you know, <laughs> that we don't like young people. Young people are too noisy and upsetting. They're intolerant of other folk who are not Christians. That's what they say about us. We're intolerant. And then they say we're hypocritical. And as soon as somebody steps out of line as a Christian, he hits the front pages of the newspaper. You can be sure of that. And they can say we're clubby or cliquey. And quite often that can happen where people don't feel welcome. We're cliquey, clubby, arrogant, superior. There's a whole lot of unfair things said about Christians. And we are marginalised all the time. Christians today are the lepers in our society and it's getting worse all the time. But the funny thing was, <laughs> thinks, here's this old lady thinking, let old ladies think about things, you know. 
and she thinks, thinks, you know, I, I didn't have time to get bubbles to put up, you know, you just to have in the comic. Thinks, did you get that in the comic, you know? Thinks in a balloon. <laughs> thinks, the despised minority were the ones with the good news. Is that right? They're at the edge of the camp. They've discovered that the enemy has disappeared. They went into the tents and they saw this, that, and the next. There's no, no people there. Where are they all? And they had thrown away all their stuff, heading for the fords of the Jordan. And they had the good news, and they were in possession of a wonderful message that would liberate their people and let them come out of the city in freedom. And you know, the gospel is a liberating message. And they had it, but the despised minority were the ones with the good news. That's us. We have cornered the market in real good news. And we should be sharing it. It was a despised situation. They satisfied their hunger and hid away their plunder. These leftless men. It tells us that uh, they carried away, they ate and drank and carried away gold, silver and clothes and went off and hid them and then they got another lot, you know, they were, it was like Christmas all the time and they were doing all this and they were just hiding it for themselves. Sometimes as Christians we're like that. We've got so much, we've got so much stuff and we don't, we don't share it. We hide it. All that God has given us. Um, they satisfy their hunger. They hid their plunder. And sometimes we're like smug owners of a big store. Uh, who have satisfied customers. You know, if you're not satisfied, go elsewhere. And uh, sometimes we advertise in a greedy kind of way. Um, and we're not... We're not sharing the good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. These lepers, they wanted to keep it to themselves. They buried it. And God's requirement is not that we bury all the stuff that he gives us. I mean, thank God for everything he gives us. I mean, I thank God. I go into the car in the morning and turn on the... Well, some cars now, you don't even need an ignition key. Uh, but some, you know, you, you turn on the ignition in the car. Maybe there isn't an ignition. I don't know anything about cars. But, you know, it's not like it used to be. I used to advise my students to marry a big, strong girl so that in the winter, when the car didn't start, she could and, and live in a hillside so that your wife could shove your car down the hill. I mean, look what, look what happened to me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know um, we should thank God for everything we've got including our wives even if they're no big hefty girls <laughs> God's requirement is not that we hide it but that we share it huh? ok and Jean's got a wonderful saying about it live simply that others may simply live hmm? that's a good saying isn't it uh, so here's the good news our need and God's deed now these folk were a needy folk and the lepers brought them into relief and blessing and deliverance and freedom and joy and that message that we spent this message of a saviour who loved us 
scarcely for a righteous man would one die perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die but God commends his own brand of love and this is emphatic in the Greek his own brand of love in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for his our need God's deed the call to repent to change direction and go towards God instead of going our own way the call to rely to trust on Christ for salvation personally, not similar he died for the whole world but he died for me personally and a call to rest in him and not be absolutely frantic out of our minds because we have no hope and no help in this world like so many folk around us like that wee boy that 11 year old Monday breaking his heart because his daddy had died how awful we've got the good news Let's share it.